Let me show you what being a rock star artist means. Let me remind you how valuable creators are. Let me remind you of the value that the people who design and paint this entire world, every product, every building, every landscape, everything that we can possibly produce on this earth requires an artist requires someone who can look behind the curtain, that can see beyond the veil, and that can bring some of that godly energy into our civilization, our physical world now. This is the Bitcoin Muse, and I'm Clay Ines. Today, we drop a match into the can of turpentine that is Madex, an artist of some renown in Bitcoin circles. His layered paintings and original script share the space with his deep convictions, valuable insights, informed opinions, and his grand and passionate plans. I'm honored to have had a chance to speak with and listen to Madex in this tour de force of complex ideas rarely expressed. My understanding, he hasn't made too many podcast appearances, so I'm grateful to the Bitcoin Path and 21ism for their prior interviews and helping me to prepare my thoughts and questions. Little did I know it wouldn't take much to get him going. He layers his thoughts like he does his paintings, and the end result is a richer understanding of the man, the world, and the possibilities for artistic endeavor open to all of us. Standard fare on the value for value front. Ideally, you can listen to this on Fountain or Breeze, then stream and boost some sats this way. It's really appreciated and validating of my efforts. Otherwise, please rate and subscribe on your app of choice and spread the word to those you think would enjoy what I'm doing here. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this hour and a half with Madex. Madex, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Rather than belabor old topics, one of the things that struck me about your articulations of modernity was the way we sort of are in a kind of fiat slave matrix and that we as creators now are existing in that place. And so I started picking around like what art emerged from slavery, like capoeira uh, was one, that the martial art from Brazil, mm-hmm. Haitian or, uh, or Cuban, like Santeria or, or voodoo respectively. And I thought, well, this is almost what Madex is doing. Your totems, your scriptures, you're building a voice from inside the matrix to kind of get us out or to preserve the original cultures. Yeah, well, I think it's signal. I think that there are a lot of American capitalists that are concerned that this is dead. So a lot of the work is trying to capture some of those ideas and values, but also kind of signal that it's not dead and that it's not gone. A lot of people will blame capitalism for the problems that we see today, but really we haven't experienced capitalism in our lifetime. It died at the start of the 1900s. What we see today is a perversion of its original ideas, and that what we see the most is a crony socialist regime, intensely corrupt it's very convenient to point at capitalism and blame it because obviously the only thing that can kind of liberate us is, is true free markets. Price is the only truth. And anything that kind of suggests to people that that's the direction that they should be looking at is being completely stamped out and vilified. Because if you think capitalism is the enemy, then we are forever stuck in this horribly unfair system with no way out. 
as it kind of feeds off of the wealth that was produced over that 100-year period after the formation of the United States that we did experience true free market capitalism. So a lot of the guys I deal with, they're kind of Rand-type characters and heavy individualists and really understand and see all of this, but they have a lot of fear looking at the biggest signal broadcast comes from that collectivist mind frame. And uh, when they discover Madex art, it's kind of very refreshing because I don't think there's anybody on earth that I'm aware of that is producing creative work that is, is sort of tied in the principles that I am. And if somebody listening knows of someone else doing it, I'd love to see their work and even have the opportunity to collaborate depending on how skillful the creator is. The reason why every single piece is stamped on the back with the lines from Atlas Shrugged, I swear by my life and my love of it that I will never live for the sake of another man nor ask another man to live for mine is so that A, that delivers the most important values of individualism, but also so that people have the link to look into that if you Google those words, then all these things like the Rand Institute come up and it's a point to Atlas Shrugged, to the Fountainhead, to the virtue of selfishness, and to pretty much all of her work, which I think is just the perfect foundation for getting into any of the Austrian economics. Um, because it's very difficult to sit down and read Mises Socialism, yet I think what Rand did that, that was so brilliant is that it's a story she really did it well with the fountainhead. And then I think she realized that nobody understood the fountainhead. So Atlas Shrugged, in my opinion, is just like, let me really drill this point home and just be extremely redundant and continuously re-explain what I'm trying to tell you. Fiction shows us basically how all this theory is applied and also ties us back to the way things did operate successfully on a capitalist system for over 100 years. Wow, you laid a lot out there from the idea of a slave art into capitalism and things like that. And just for context, your work weaves and layers and synthesizes Bitcoin iconography, historical references, lyrics, right, to name just a few things. Are there any books, movies, articles that were touchstones for you and like why? What is the bookshelf in your studio have on it right now? What are you listening to? Yeah, well... A lot. There's really a lot out there. On Ben's show the other day with Harry from Grid and American Hoddle, his tip I thought was just incredible. He said, read fiction. I agree. Like a lot of the Bitcoin world is we're kind of reading economics textbooks, we're reading world history, we're reading all sorts of stories about real world business. And the importance of fiction is lost in a way. But with fiction, we see truth and we can tell truth and we can also make predictions. And it's really, in my opinion, the most honest form of writing, despite being fiction, because you can get real world concepts across in a way where you can just clearly explain everything through examples. So my most favorite example of this is if you take the book, The Sovereign Individual, all the concepts in the book, The Sovereign Individual, are this is a nonfiction book. It's a predictions book. A whole lot of ideas are discussed here, including the prediction of Bitcoin. The primary concept from it is the collapse of the nation states. Now, in the fiction world, there's a book called Snow Crash, which parallels almost perfectly with The Sovereign Individual, but the book is entirely fiction. I would describe it as it colors and paints a lot of the ideas from the sovereign individual. 
anyone I recommend that they should read The Sovereign Individual, I also recommend that they read Snow Crash. In my opinion, they're the same book. There's a, a lot of pairings like that that I kind of have structured. How about playlists? What's on the playlist? Nine Inch Nails, I noticed some lyrics in one of your pieces, the with teeth. Well, the with teeth thing really was striking to me at a young age. And then I thought it just kind of really applied to what we're doing here with Bitcoin. We're in this new era of slavery where just no one's really aware that they're slaves. The freedom is just completely gone. But because we have a limited amount of free will decision opportunity, that kind of covers up all the areas in which we aren't free. And because a lot of freedom is just uh, for a fee. So for example, we have speeding tickets everywhere you go. As long as you can pay speeding tickets, you can just speed all the time. It doesn't really matter. In Canada, we have like a demerit system, but even that you can pay people to go to court for you. You can go to court yourself. The whole thing is kind of really just a tax collecting system. The point being, we're all at the mercy of decisions made by central banks, no matter what. So every horrible thing that is happening in modern society ties in some way or another to broken money, which ties to counterfeit money, which ties to the head counterfeiter, which is now, we now call them the Central Bank of Canada, the Federal Reserve in the United States, the Bank of International Settlements in Europe, and the, the With Teeth stuff from Nine Inch Nails. Uh, it's not actually the song With Teeth, but there's another one. I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. You'll, I think you'll understand how it applies to Bitcoin. But otherwise, in the playlist, I listen to mostly what I would describe as barren wasteland desert house music. It's kind of like trance music, which is while I'm working because it helps fill the time. These are songs, the one song is 12 minutes long and there's a bunch of them in the row. So I can put on a mix that's four hours long. And by the end of that mix, I know a painting will be ready for the next step or completed. Is that Godspeed, My Black Emperor stuff? <laughs> I would have to see some links. I'm really bad with the names, but I'm definitely happy to share music. Awesome. And the reason I ask, that just helps contextualize a little bit of what your process, because your art has this kind of spit and vinegar, you know, it's this first album energy, right? Layers of, of maybe aggression, but then it's thoughtfully considered, woven with consistent motifs, confidently applied, like beautiful to my eyes. I'm, I'm a texture guy. That Nine Inch Nails cover of Further Down the Spiral was, to me, beautiful. How much of what you were making is a personal exploration of your ideas made manifest versus a kind of uh, like a Lindisfarne gospel meets treasure map of your worldview? Or, or better put, are you... Yeah. Are your creations reconciling personal thoughts or are you trying to eloquently explain the world to your audience and maybe validate a Bitcoiner's perspective? Well, these are great questions. I think that right away, I'll just say that everything I make specifically, I'm making it for myself. It's something I want. And I'm just really, really, really hoping that somebody else out there maybe also wants it because otherwise I'm not going to have a business. And then I guess I just got very lucky with the life that I've come out of that it seems that my tastes and, and what I want for myself also some other people agree with. But I would say that like there's 
pieces that I've made that I think are entirely reflections of what's happening with myself internally as a individual and I would say unique individual in this world. And then there's pieces where it's still coming from me, but I'm also taking some risks and making some, I guess, trying to create something that I know will kind of work with other stories as well, other stories that I know of like stories from friends or stories I've read online or sort of that. And that's like a market building tactic because I think it's going to be a while. Like I'm very unknown currently. I've been working on Madex as a project for 10 years. I think I'm just starting to see a bit of momentum start to happen and a bit of success. So it's a long ways away before I'm on the Kanye West level of releasing just whatever I've randomly made. I know that he doesn't randomly make stuff, but I mean, just being able to be as pure and authentic to myself as possible, because what I have to first establish is the brand around Madex. I'm going to the market and I'm asking for capital. So I have to produce something that the market wants. So it's this delicate balance between creating stuff that's specifically targeted for myself and then also bringing in the influences from the people around me and then also bringing in the influence from Bitcoin and then also making guesses on the market in general. But I would say that like the most important thing to me is to brand the story. Like the name Madex came from, I wanted to create a brand name that meant built to last because what I cared about so intensely at that time was I loved the feeling of when I bought something and it was expensive and it was the only time I ever need to make that purchase in my life. Just acquiring something of value that is well-made, well-engineered, well-designed, well-thought-out, it's almost impossible these days because of the fiat incentives, which have completely destroyed the incentives for anybody to produce something that is of value and that will work forever because... The incentive in fiat is for the toaster to work 20 times and then fail. And then nobody repairs toasters anymore. So it gets thrown out and it gets rebought because the toaster manufacturer needs repeated income and repeat customers because the value of the money it receives for selling the toaster is melting like ice and going to zero. So instead, if that toaster maker makes one that lasts forever, He's going to sell it one time for the $100 fiat, and then that customer will never return for another sale ever again because the toaster is just perfect. It'll just work for generations and generations and generations. And because the $100 he received is fiat, so it's getting destroyed by 20% inflation, which, which is hidden. If they got paid in money that just even, like forget about Bitcoin, just the money that kept its value that kept its purchasing power. Forget about going up in purchasing power. Just even if that $100 today stayed $100 10 years from now, the incentive is to make a better toaster. So all of that is just completely destroyed over the last, since Ayn Rand was starting to talk about it in the 40s. And then 71, we know it came out the gold standard in the United States. The US dollar is now fairy dust. It's tied to nothing. So these incentives compound and they go exponential and everything that gets produced just is turning into trash. So when I created Madex, I just wanted to make stuff that was fucking good. And that's 
unfortunately really, really difficult and really expensive. And it takes a long time to be able to like a brand name in the first place is a signal that it's supposed to be identify what level of product quality something is at. So I had to from like a 20 whatever year old with nothing figure out how I was going to build a at that time luxury brand. So the name I wanted it to be built to last and I didn't think that was a good brand name. So I ended up coming up with made forever. And then made forever, I put an X divider between the made and the forever. And then people started calling me made X. But the whole point of it is like right now I'm making art because that's just what I was best at. And that's what I started at. But I got finally out of the horrible prison of public education and I was finally free. I just wanted to build something that would produce value. And somewhere I read, like, start with your strengths. So that that's what I did. I started with art. But Madex is not really about me. And that's why it's also weird that like people call me Madex, but I'm encouraging it because right now, like I have to bootstrap it as me. But really what I'm trying to build is a designer brand that will make and produce high quality products. So I'm starting with art. I'm looking to expand into other things. And that's why this year I'm I'm switching gears and being like, okay, I have to keep the artwork scarce. And also it's horrifically and indescribably difficult to produce it. And so I'm moving the price points this year way up in the artwork so that I'll have less sales per year, but I'll have way more funding for the other products that I want to start creating. Because over the next couple of years, I want to start separating Madex from the art and have the art be the origin story and me, but really it's a brand that's about product and the products that I'm going to start making are just the ones that I personally need for myself that I can't fucking find a single person that's capable of making something worthy and worthwhile. And so meandered a lot there, but uh, hopefully I answered the question. <laughs> you did. And the built to last, I grew up with Tonka Tough. Yeah. And we did our damnedest to destroy those trucks, you know, like that was, yeah. it was, and we never did. It was a ton of fun. And Tonka to this day means something. The Maytag repairman was, was bored because he, you, you bought the Maytag and then the repairman never came to the house. Now they flipped the model. Now the repairman's the profit model, yeah. <laughs> I love that you brought up Tonka. The very first private jet I purchased, uh, well, I still have it, is a Tonka. It's a Tonka Learjet. Awesome. Yeah, they did a collaboration, and yeah, they made a Tonka Learjet. So that was my first private jet, and I'm looking for there you go. one day another one that's bigger, much bigger. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I want to get into what you're doing right now, but I also love the idea just to kind of contextualize your work because we haven't really spoken about it. And I know that the muses really struck you when you saw the Parisian metro's layers of wheat pasted ephemera, you know, as a thing of beauty. But I'm curious, was it the textures? Was it the glimpse of the prior narratives or something else that you appreciated in a kind of Duchampian ready-made sort of way? What I appreciated was the emergent order of it. You'd see like 20 of these and it just wouldn't really look that great. And then you'd see one and it looked intentional. There's no way it was because whoever was ripping those layers off was just trying to get through their nine to five days. So I was taking photos on my phone of the areas of them that I thought were just beautiful. 
the problem I had with it was whatever the layers were, that was emergent order and that was beautiful itself in its own sort of thing. And my original idea with Madex was I was going to build, like that was going to be my pitch to Gagosian or to Sotheby's or to whoever with these pieces. And so I started creating that sort of stuff. But then it was too difficult to explain in a way. The one most common feedback I've always had on my art, which was my entire goal in the first place, was just I've never seen anything like this. This is fucking incredible. It's very difficult to build an art brand in today's fiat world. When you're someone who cares intensely about skill and about time invested into something and you're competing with galleries and art dealers creating crap and selling crap, it's impossible to win. What I realized is that what if the layers... I can still have that kind of beautiful emergent order, but it's not emergent because I'm going to control it as best I can. But what if the layers in there are also, for example, the layers of somebody's life or the layers of a philosophy or principles or of a moment of time or of the history of a brand? So to try and get it less random and kind of more dedicated to a specific vision. And so I was looking at doing things like that where I was like, okay, well, what if I go and I pitch Rolls Royce on making these giant paintings that capture the history of Rolls Royce layer over layer over layer and then feature a client's car because Rolls Royce is all about these bespoke cars and all all this sort of stuff. And I do a pitch deck to Rolls and I say, when somebody buys the million dollar Rolls Royce, they also get this painting, which is specifically tailored to the specific model that they chose, maybe the history of its creation, the history of Rolls Royce, and maybe some components from their own life or their own journey. And then I thought this could definitely be applied to architecture, someone who is building a custom home. And that's where I really saw the opportunity, which already I was personally obsessed with building custom homes and the idea of developing absolutely beautiful Lloyd Wright style buildings, especially again in this era of fiat trash being produced and built everywhere. So I started kind of looking into like focusing the content and finding a way to do it. A main issue that I had that screwed me up, I have no regrets because everything is great, but if I were to change things and do things differently, is all these ideas were happening when I was really young and completely broke. I just had fucking nothing. I guess I just didn't have the skills or I didn't have the courage or I don't know exactly what it was to really kind of package these things up. But more importantly is I didn't have the time because we're all in pursuit of capital for whatever reason we think it is. But the real reason is time. We want more time with our family. We want more time to work on stuff we're passionate about. We want more time to do the things that we do. And that no matter what anyone says, that's the primary motivation behind acquiring capital is just application of time. So at that time, I had fucking no money at all, which meant I had no time at all, which meant 
to sit down and put together some of these proposals or go and talk to architectural firms or, or do all this stuff was just not possible given the lack of funding and the lack of financing. So I had to get fiat jobs and hustle and and try to do both at the same time. What I would have done differently if I could go back and like my advice to anyone young that I meet that's working on something really impressive is borderline starve to death to like figure out how to get what you're working on out there and be kind of willing to do that. And because what I did is I basically put the art sort of on the sidelines and that was my side project. And then I went crazy focused on just trying to earn as much money as I possibly could and find ways to earn money and try and start businesses to earn money. And in that VC sort of mentality coming off of all these app companies and stuff that are exploding, I wasted a lot of time on pursuing capital because I believed the ideas that I had were just too fucking crazy for anybody to be willing to put money into. Now where I'm at, I realize that I could have certainly raised money for what I wanted to do, but probably because where I came from was a very oil and gas oriented, very industrial kind of place. The only reference or experience I had for raising money was if you're raising cash for an oil company. And in those worlds, coming in there and being like, well, I have this completely lucrative idea to make customized pieces that go in multi-million dollar mansions that are tailored to the architect's history and the commissioner's history and all just didn't really seem like a viable business pitch to me. And so I wasted a lot of time not really, really focusing on the Madex work. But anyways, to your question, the layers are more valuable to people if specifically tailored to the work that they care about. Around that same sort of area, I mean, Bitcoin didn't pump fast enough, but I was very early on Bitcoin and that enabled me to have a little bit more time and a little bit more patience. So when I say I've been working on Madex for 10 years, it hasn't been like 10 years of this is the only thing I wake up and think about and this is all I'm doing. I've only really had three or four years of just being 100% on Madex. And that was entirely thanks to Francis Pouillat and Bull Bitcoin and Dave Bradley and really Bitcoin pumping to 2000 bucks and then being like, whoa, didn't see that coming. And even then, I was still trying to get involved in stuff and made a lot of really uh, horrible mistakes and flailed lots of coins. And it took me a while to just really understand what I have is actually extremely valuable and extremely rare. And that I really, really, really know what I'm doing in terms of building out this plan going forward. And I guess it was just age and time and experience that gave me the confidence to really double down to anyone who's working on something that uh, they think is crazy. What I've seen out there is so completely insane that it's a matter of a bunch of Twitter DMs and you can get pretty much anything you can think of finance. Yeah, dude. I appreciate that you waited for any number of reasons, financial or otherwise. I have a similar story where I came out of college naive or maybe arrogant to think that I wasn't going to assist anybody else in their photography. And of course, a decade goes by and I don't make a single fucking photograph. So that rings true. And, and so the advice to just get at it. Yeah. It hurts me so much. It's the most painful thing I can feel. And it's a lot of what drives me right now to just be creating like crazy. Because a year ago, I did a studio move. And when I did that studio move, I was finding pieces of art from 2012, 2013, 2014. And it just broke my heart that I didn't make more in those years, that I didn't have more created in those years. 
I'd been making paintings and art and making stuff, making stuff, making stuff and trying. Uh, all was horrible. It was in 2013 that I made the very first, like I cracked the code finally, just by randomly trying over and over and over again. And at that time, I was in a studio apartment. So everything I was working on was very, very small. It was about magazine size or so. For whatever reason, I didn't want to sell the magazine size ones. I think I felt because they were small, they weren't valuable. I don't know. So I was like, well, the only way I can make these big, I don't have the space to do it. So I'm just going to make prints. They were all bigger than eight and a half by 11. I don't know, about 20%, 30% bigger than that. And then this girl, her name was Emma, reached out to me, God bless her soul, and asked me to do this show. It was one of my first shows ever. But I didn't want to go into this show with all these little paintings because when I'm posting it online, it looks like there's no reference for scale. But they're all like really small. And I wanted the show to be big and impressive. And like when you're young, you're a little bit daft. So that was definitely in the equation. But what I did is I took all these originals and I cut them up into little pieces and I scanned them into the computer with an eight and a half by 11 scanner. And then I went into Photoshop and reassembled the sliced up pieces and glued them all back together in Photoshop so I could create a graphic file and order large format prints, which then I ended up showing. <laughs> hey, man, you do what you have to do. You got to start somewhere and just kind of figure it out from there. That's right. And I think that Luck has to find you working. Yeah. You were smashing away at, and you finally cracked the code. And I think that's testament to your discipline. So kudos to you. The point being from that, that the most valuable pieces of work I have are these sliced up paintings. <laughs> and I didn't, I wish I had more, but man, it's capital. Money needs to meet highly skilled creators and finance them. That's a really, really difficult match to find. And I've been spending a lot of time recently with guys who manage a lot of money. What's hilarious is that that's the exact problem they all have. There is so much more fiat in the world than anyone is aware of. We all think Elon Musk is the richest person in the world. And we have this Forbes list. That's public money. In the private sphere, the scale of capital is truly inconceivable. Elon Musk is not the richest person in the world by millions of miles. And all that capital is out there looking for good ideas. Hard to find. Yeah, hard to find, especially if it's an app or some other fintech nonsense. We're artists, and so we're charged with attracting some of that capital. Not in a, not in a greedy way. We just we want to make something that catches the eye of that capital that allows us to continue yeah. to pursue and express ourselves. Right? It's a symbiotic relationship. I don't think there's anything corrupt or problematic in it. But if there's pools of cash out there, fuck me if it doesn't go to the arts. Yeah, well, the, the hardest part right now is that it won't. It will not go to the arts because of the incentives. So when you go back and look at, like we were talking about Lloyd Wright, when you look at anything from kind of the United States Art Deco era or even just back to cathedrals, okay, forget about architects, forget about engineers. The most important component to a cathedral is the artist. The cathedral doesn't exist without that. The architect can ensure that the structure comes together in the shape it's supposed to be. The engineer can ensure that it stands for a million years or however long you have the money to pay for. The architects were not making the sculptures at Notre Dame. 
the engineers were not carving gargoyles. But because the incentives are all fucked now with the modern stuff where we just have a square box with nothing in it. In fact, 90% of stuff that's built these days is built on the level of trailer homes. They won't be here in 50 years. Just look at the entire skyline of Toronto is fake bullshit buildings that won't survive 75 years. When they're looking at their financials, is there a category that's like, we have to ensure that when the owner of said apartment walks into the lobby, they're inspired by the godly ability of mankind to retire in their life. Is that on the balance sheet for any of those high rises in Toronto? No, it's not. And then apply it to pretty much any other product that there is. The artists have been completely cut out of the creation of anything because of the incentives of fiat. And as a result of that as well, it's destroyed the mastery of arts because no longer is it a competitive position to be an artist. It's competitive in terms of the amount. And if you're trying to work with these guys like Gagosian, but in terms of actual application to real world objects and real world daily life, it doesn't exist anymore. It's not in the category at all. The only reason for an artist to exist currently is to have something to hang on the wall to decorate the drywall. That's what artists have been reduced to. It's embarrassing. And it kills the talent too, because now no one is cultivating these skills. So a lot of the people that I'm looking for right now, like right now I'm trying to collaborate with just anybody who has any artistic talent. And a lot of these guys that I'm linking up with, they're working like a nine to five in an engineering firm. And they can draw your face as if it's a photograph from memory. And they're making 150 a year as a junior entry in the engineering firm. Or there's a tattoo artist, thank God for tattoos. A lot of tattoo artists can illustrate well. That's what we've been reduced to. The best reward for someone who can illustrate with incredible skill is to be a tattoo artist versus designing Notre Dame Cathedral, painting the Sistine Chapel. Yeah, I read a beautiful thing the other day, the cultural tutor, he's an email newsletter, and he was talking about how, sure, the arts aren't what they used to, but a lot of that talent goes elsewhere. A lot of those painters are now, they're working on their set designers in the movies and these newer things. I don't think he was apologizing for the scarcity of good art in the world. There were other laments similar to yours. I think we're in a nadir of artistic endeavor and thinking big like you are, Madex mansions or, or what have you, you're the seedlings of a whole new generation that will germinate under a Bitcoin standard. I'm incredibly optimistic on that front, and I wonder if you are. The entire reason for everything you see from Madex to anybody listening to this, that's what it is. I have to carry a godly attitude. I have to carry that opinion of myself in order to really communicate like, the central goal here is that I want skilled creators and talented artists and people that have these abilities that are dying off and being disrespected and, and just not valued to see that there is a market for people who support and care about these kind of trades and skills. The number one goal for, for Madex beyond like everything that I, I want to produce good products, I want to make amazing art, I want to inspire, but really I want insanely talented creators to see me winning, to see me building crazy stuff 
getting insane opportunities, getting connected here and there. And the only way it works is if it's financed by the Bitcoin world. That's the only way it works. Or people who are in the fiat world that have the same values, but just haven't discovered Bitcoin yet. That's fine too. But what has to happen is, hey, let me show you what being a rock star artist means. Let me remind you how valuable creators are. Let me remind you of the value that the people who design and paint this entire world, every product, every building, every landscape, everything that we can possibly produce on this earth requires an artist, requires someone who can look behind the curtain, that can see beyond the veil, and that can bring some of that godly energy into our civilization, our physical world now. And so, okay, the incentives are all fucked. The current fiat system is not allowing for the cultivation of any of that. So I'm just going to kill myself trying, working my ass off, trying to show you that you can win, that there is a market for that talent. And that's the primary thing with Madex. So I'm doing like the best I can currently. I want somebody to see my work and be inspired to start making their own stuff. And if it's Bitcoin art is the entry point, that's fine. I came up with the whole concept for the open dime and the vanity address and the signing coins and attaching it to a physical piece of artwork on my own. Other artists are now doing that. And people sometimes ask me, are, are you upset about that? I don't give a fuck at all. In fact, I'm celebrating it. I could not be more happy that that's happening. Every fucking thing I do, I hope someone out there copies me. I hope someone out there who's better than me takes the idea and does a better version of it, puts a different twist on it, and releases it under their own brand so that they can find their own success. You can consider Madex as open source. Whatever I do, and if you're an artist listening to it, copy it and do it. And if you can do it better and beat me in the market and the Madex version doesn't sell, but your name version sells, that's why I'm here. That's what I'm doing. Bitcoin as a space needs the product in it. It needs the innovation in it. It needs the designers, creators, artists. It needs it all. And although the infrastructure is not in place yet for it really to be applied, I'm in a conversation with a Bitcoin company that raised a lot of money. I'm talking to the CEO. He really likes this piece of art. He wants to buy it. We're trying to work out a deal. I end up giving him a deal. He wants to put it in the back of his recordings. So I say, okay, well, why don't you commission me to make something that's actually big? Because this one is quite small. And um, I, I just get ghosted. This is the problem here, is that the arts are not respected. I get it that there's a lot of reasons for that to be happening, but the whole attitude has to change and we need to bring more talent, more skilled people into the space. And all these Bitcoin companies need to be embracing and supporting that as much as they fucking can. I'm not saying that like a Bitcoin company should buy art that's maybe not very good. I don't care. The thing is, is whoever is the best in the space should be rewarded by the capital that's currently coming in to these Bitcoin companies because the VC cowards are not funding artists. I'm not pitching VC for 30 million bucks and getting a check. If I go out and start pitching Madex, I'll be lucky to get a $100,000 loan with a high risk interest 
that's what I'm lucky to get as an established person in the Bitcoin space. While you can create some bullshit fucking wallet app and say you're going to be the wallet of Guatemala and go and raise fucking $50 million. That's fiat thinking, fiat activity in the Bitcoin space. We're all in this Bitcoin space trying to be like, hey, we're about like, yeah, you know, we're going to change things, hard money and all the results that come from that and all that. And yet none of these companies, except for Bull Bitcoin, which is why I'm fucking here, are putting any attention or serious capital into this. And that's why I'm trying to bring people in so that there's more availability. Maybe the reason that that's not happening is because maybe there's just not enough talent in the artistic space in terms of what people are creating for Bitcoin currently. I don't know. Maybe that's the reason. But what I think it is, is that regardless of people's individual talent, there's just not enough creators in the Bitcoin world. So how do we get more people in? Hi, I'm Madex. I got a $8 million grant to build whatever from X Bitcoin company. That signal gets broadcast out to the art space. And then there's all these artists out there with real ability being like, holy shit, 8 million funded? Something to do with this Bitcoin stuff? That's like orange killing them and bringing them in to look at this stuff. And then me being out there being like, hey, I'm open source. Copy everything I'm doing. If that's where you need to start, please come up with your own ideas. Let's just have some big wins for artists so that we can get more of this talent into this space and really walk the walk of this whole renaissance idea around Bitcoin and this whole hard money future and all this. Can you all just look that the core of it is art? There's not a single project from the Renaissance age that didn't have an artist at the C-suite level of the project. Yeah. And an interesting Giotto or somebody like that, he was sort of discovered just as a, for lack of a better term, a mason. And someone recognized his talents, and now we know him as one of art history's greats. And I think we're in a similar situation now where we've got to go back out to the blue-collar world to find the real craftsmen, the real talent, and nurture and bring that creativity to what wasn't allowed on the job site. I think your words are super inspiring on that front. Yeah. Okay. Also, let's cut to 10 years from now. 10 years from now, I know this stuff is going to be happening. I was on a panel at the Bitcoin Rodeo in Alberta the other day. And one of my primary points was that the stories of losing thousands of coins are just not going to exist anymore in 10 years because we have the resources now that when people onboard to Bitcoin, they just get it that much faster and they get the custody concept so much faster. And so people are protecting the Bitcoins that they have. And also, obviously, there's value on them now for the price. When Bitcoins were $11, it fucking, I really didn't give a fuck. And mistakes are made. That's no longer going to happen. And so we're going to see a lot in 10 years from now, a lot of these guys who are early on Bitcoin, early, not 2010, early 2020, are going to have the capital to finance projects. And I think it'll just organically happen because of what human beings value. We value good stuff. We value stuff that makes us feel good. It's just going to happen naturally. But in the meantime, let's cut this fiat thinking and let's realize that everything we're talking about requires the support of skilled arts. And let's give some artists some huge wins and let's draw more people into the whole space. I think that's beautifully said. And, and actually, it's fun talking to you because you have a way of layering 
your ideas as you get going, kind of like your work. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's really fun. It's actually, uh, it's very telling that your work is profoundly honest of who you are. As you articulate these ideas, you can feel the layers building and the passions that are obvious that you wear on your sleeve. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, it all, it's also complicated. I'm sure if I could speak simpler, maybe it would go further. I don't know. You really kind of got to be paying attention because, the, and also I'm like mostly 99% of the time I'm in my own head. So all of this stuff spools up. And then there's a lot of, when I'm saying something, there's like a lot of other stuff you have to understand to understand the important point here. So I just am exploding all over the place. I think I can summarize it down pretty quick. If you're out there with any control of capital, either as an early Bitcoiner or as someone who is building a business, you need to put some serious thought into what you're doing for the artistic community. Whether that is working with what's available currently, or even just, I think all of us know somebody who is intensely good at what they do. And even just going and talking to someone else and proposing to them and being like, hey, like, let's say, you know, a welder who's insanely talented at welding stuff. I actually do. I, I actually do. These things he makes, you're like, it's like a Geiger level, intricate, beautiful. Yeah. So let's go talk to these guys and be like, hey, there's huge demand for really amazing Bitcoin focused art currently. There's just... So much content that we have in the Bitcoin space. There is so much really, really amazing visual content that is the backbone of what we're doing here in Bitcoin space. As you learn about Bitcoin more, then you're going to be able to come up with some of these ideas on your own. The Virus and Numerous was one of the most obvious ones. And I still barely see that. I barely see that. So going and seeing these guys, like, you know, a welder, you know, somebody, I don't know, anyone, and just go, go to them and be like, hey, like, let me teach you about Bitcoin, because there's really a market for art buyers in the Bitcoin space, and apply some of the creativity that you obviously already have to some of these ideas, you'll probably come up with some cool stuff. What's painful to me is not being able to walk into my own space, having never seen it before or not knowing it exists. I want to experience what I'm doing from somebody else out there in the world. I want to fly to like somewhere in Southern Idaho and go meet up with this person. And they're like, let me show you my studio. And I go in, and I just see like some of the most incredible and inspiring stuff I've ever seen in my life. That's what I want to do. So how do we get these guys working on stuff that actually connects them to a market that gives a fuck about quality work and quality products? and stuff that lasts forever. I do think there's a delicate line in there because you don't want to sound like just an artist who isn't selling his stuff because you are, right? You're thinking way outside just you. This is like we are making the stuff that will be in the museums for fucking millennia. There's going to be a Metropolitan Museum of Art with work from this Bitcoin nescence, <laughs> from its Bitcoin's birth. Yes. And I think that it's really important that that work be strong and seminal. The Credios boy or whatever of the Bitcoin era begins with that step forward out of the stone. I really appreciate your fervor and your grand vision. This really has, I'm really distinguishing a youthful lament that no one's buying my art to, no, fuck this. We are making history here, yeah. but we can't do it self-funded. Yeah. I like to think that maybe the people who can hear what I'm saying with the clearest signal 
are probably those who are the earliest on Bitcoin because they haven't been, they just haven't gone through the pulverization that being a Bitcoiner is yet. The people who are brand new to Bitcoin are the most likely to purchase artwork. And I think it's the people who have been here for 15 years that are most likely to purchase it, right? They've held well. And also, like, I'm really open to making deals and stuff because it matters to me for people to have it more than for me to kind of be like, oh, it's only this much. Fuck you. Because I understand that everybody in this space, no matter what their capital is like or what their contribution is like or whatever, in my opinion, is equally valuable. Even if you pitch everyone you ever meet on Bitcoin and you're trying to get them to buy it and none of them ever do, every single person you talk to still has an anchor point of I could have bought when, when this person told me about this, whatever, you know. Just saying the fucking word Bitcoin is like a contribution to the success of the network. I'm going for a super high level because I want to make some fucking massive stuff because I believe that Bitcoin deserves to be honored at a scale that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay. I believe projects coming out and time and energy and innovation going into building something. I believe Bitcoin deserves that. Something takes me an entire fucking year to make. I believe that Bitcoin deserves that. I have to get that funding from somewhere. I'm not going to ask for it for free, but it still has to come. And the way I see it, I'm on a short timeline. I could be killed at any time and just not even exist anymore. So I got to do the best I can to reach people who have high load of capital and be like, let's deploy it in this way. And also you get a painting that will likely go up in the value because I'm going to crush it into the stratosphere. Then at the same time, I got to make sure that there's stuff available for the people that are really doing that trench work. And I got to be able to balance both of those. So I'm learning how to do it. I've got some ideas coming together. I just don't want anyone looking at what I'm about to start releasing and seeing the price point and kind of thinking I'm an asshole for asking that. Bitcoin deserves that. When I'm asking for, say, it's $26,000 US for a painting, that money's not going to a Lamborghini. It's going to the architecture of some fucking giant statue or of something I'm fucking pulling together. The flash is only appropriate when dealing with fiaters, right? I have a nice watch. The only time I ever fucking wear that stupid fucking nice watch is when I'm in the presence of investment bankers and fucking guys who are rolling in this high-level fiat world, dealing with fucking hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. And the only reason is to be like, yo, I am not a starving artist. I'm not here to take anything from you. I'm just here. I'm on the level. I have had success with Bitcoin. I'm having more success with my art project. Bull Bitcoin is immensely successful. And they're like, I don't even know what that is or give a fuck. But if I have a nice watch, they'll be like, oh, that's interesting. You're an artist. But obviously, you know, it, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's like uh, Madex is uh, also in the costume design, right? That's part of your persona. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to look good while we're doing this. If we're saving the world, we might as well combine the two. Looks is half the battle in a lot of circumstances. And luckily for men, it comes straight down to just vibe. and. Look, man, the work you make has this energy in it. But... When you spin your pieces, every one of them says, thank you, Satoshi. And I wondered about gratitude and the role gratitude plays in your work. The reason they all say that is because 
first of all, I noticed apparently no one says that. People say, who is Satoshi? They don't say, thank you, Satoshi. I would not exist in the capacity I do without Bitcoin, period. My life would not be what it is without Bitcoin. I think there's good odds because I dealt with a lot of really horrible depression, just really dark stuff. I, I don't think that I would be here today breathing without the work that Satoshi did. So forget about whether Bitcoin is going to be a, a successful project next year or in 25 years. I would not be alive today if Satoshi did not press enter and or whatever key he pressed and fucking generate the Genesis block. I would not exist probably as a living being and I would certainly not exist as a on the come up art god inspiring as many as I can possibly fucking reach trying to fast track the renaissance that we all know is coming as a result of Bitcoin. That would just not happen. So every fucking thing I touch that goes out into the world that is tied to that story says that. And if he's alive, thank you. If he's not, thank you. And if that's just me, that's just me. The other line that is on the back of a lot of my pieces, and it's a little bit corny, but it's there will be a future. I see the horrible shit that's happening. I see the theft. I see the like meeting a young kid who's 22 and he tells me that fascism is extreme capitalism and it just makes my fucking head explode. And I'm like, if this is what's being indoctrinated into the next generation, if people are being taught that the one thing that created the wealth and prosperity and the basis for our civilization is the enemy of humanity, like, I don't think that there's anything. And then on top of it, if you're looking at your earning, you're working your ass off, you can't fucking get ahead because the level of theft is so exploded to every function of life. There really is no hope. There really is no reason at all. In the face of tyranny with no way out, what is the reason to breathe? What is the reason to work? If you do not own the product of your labor, somebody else owns your labor, you're not going anywhere. There's no way to get ahead. There's no future. Thank you, Satoshi. He obviously, he didn't invent Bitcoin from scratch. He took the pieces, he assembled them. It all worked out. You know, nobody knows how it happened, but there's also like a lot of people after that in that chain to be grateful for as well. I have this tweet. I haven't sent it out yet. I probably sent out a variation before of it, but it's like, call whoever got you into Bitcoin and fucking thank them. For not a lot of newcomers currently, like a lot of people bought the top at like fucking 75K or 80K or whatever. They're just new. They don't really know how it works. It was the same thing when like I bought fucking Bitcoin right before Mt. Gox collapsed and I thought I fucking ruined my life. There's rough stuff with this, but a long enough timeline, like you're really going to be grateful for that. And for anyone who's experiencing any sort of betterment of their life as a result of Bitcoin, I just have never seen anybody being like, thank you, Satoshi. And so that's why it's mission critical for me. It's on every fucking piece. I made decals. I'm distributing those decals. I think it just, we say Satoshi, but I hope that it captures everyone in the entire space. 
there's only one thing that you should say to anybody that you meet that you admire that has done something incredible for you in your life, that the only thing that you can say to them that means anything is thank you, whatever it is. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. You've been mentioning a kind of God, that you're this sort of God figure, the, the Madex brand, and you have supporting scriptures, you have totems. And I wondered the role of those scriptures. And, and actually, I was just trying to decipher them and what role they were playing for you and how they're being received. Well, the best I can ever do is half man, half God. That's the best I could ever hope for. You can never be all the way. So I have that level of humility. I think this entire world is set up to just destroy people's ambitions and to just beat them into some submission where they just follow in line and submit to the state. The state will never admit it, but a massive amount of their propaganda is rooted in some form of not believing in your family, not believing in yourself. I get on that because I believe it's important. Like I, one-to-one, I don't actually believe that. Like, but I have to get into these states where I do, or else I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Already, when I look back on like my whole career and everything that's happened, the only time things have gone wrong or gone bad is I lacked that conviction. So I'm willing to, at the expense of whatever anybody thinks of me, adopt that conviction and I don't care if 99% of people on earth think I'm a complete fucking asshole. As long as that 1% of intensely skilled craftsmen and creators recognize a market opportunity and enter the space to produce value based on their own skill sets and their own ideas and their own vision. I don't care. I want the maker to be inspired they could even think I'm an asshole, but if they're inspired to work harder, do more, look for those connections, which do exist in the Bitcoin world, that works for me. The God thing, really, I feel it when I spend a lot of time out in the mountains on dirt bikes, riding these motorcycles through the mountains. And the God moment really hits me when I'm going the maximum speed that this machine is capable of going in like the sketchiest environment that you can imagine, and I'm in control. If I fuck up, then my life could end. But I'm 100% certain that the KTM motorcycle or the Husky motorcycle I'm on is not going to fail. When you're at that speed, this bike is not failing. It will not fucking fail. That anchors me, I believe, God exists and God is real and that God is me from that experience because the designer of that motorcycle and all the infrastructure and layers and the money and just the human breath for that bike to exist and for me to be alive in that individual moment, that connects me to the entire planet basically. To the men who built that machine and to the other people out there using those machines. Yeah, I think we could rewrite the iPencil to iMotorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> That's the specific example where I felt it for the first time, but it can be applied to everything. Whatever the specific experience is that you want to have, it's not unique to yourself. And somebody out there cares about it enough to build the infrastructure to produce X product 
And then when you're talking about something like a dirt bike or a pen or whatever it is, the amount of time and engineering and like the capital that was spent that went into producing that product and just the fact that they can make a return by selling it for such a cheap price really shows you that we're not alone in, in the majority of these desires that we have. That attitude that I bring into my stuff, it's entirely because I have to, because I'm looking for funding. How do you fund Madex? You're going to buy some of these fucking insane paintings that come out in the next while. I don't have shares, but I have a piece of art that once you acquire it, it's my duty, obligation, responsibility to ensure that that piece of artwork appreciates over time. Anchored in all this, this whole Bitcoin world for the first time since the creation of the Federal Reserve, we have a chance to destroy it. Like it's a moment in time combined with an effort to fast track the Renaissance era. That's the return that I'm working to create. I think people are sleeping on the artists to be the tip of the spear, to get into places and persuade, you know, start tearing shit down. There's a good chance that that's just beginning with your own work and others that we can, you know, subversive art wasn't always the case, but let's just say about 200 years, art played a subversive role. And I think now more than ever, we need that subversion. Yeah, I don't want to wait 10 years to start seeing the beauty that Bitcoin has the potential to incentivize. Everyone's on this hodl, 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 hodl lifestyle, okay? I'm, I'm on the spendle lifestyle. Regardless of what format of money you're talking about, the money is fluid. It's like an ocean all around you. It's all you got to do is just figure out how to get it directed to you. If you are able to produce value, there is no scarcity. So all you have to do is work. Proof of work, everyone is now talking about all the time. It's true. You put in the effort, and if there's a demand for your effort, you will receive monetary compensation or compensation in other ways, no matter what. The scarcity is really your laziness. You're not willing to get out of comfort in your life. That's the scarcity. In Bitcoin, we have a supply cap, 21 million. You cut to the fiat world, the cash in the fiat world is completely out of control. For anyone to really be struggling with access to the internet currently and drive and motivation and, and will to figure it out, all the pieces are there on the internet. When I was very young, I got hit with this moment where I was in the library. Well, it wasn't a library, it was a bookstore. And I remember just being overwhelmed with the idea that all the answers are here. The whole baseline of education is right here. And I was in public school at the time. And it just really blew my mind that I was being forced through this prison system style, horrible experience when I can exchange my labor for capital, walk into a bookstore and acquire information on anything I'm specifically interested in. What is the point of this whole school thing? I can dig ditches, earn capital, and exchange it for information. And then I can use that information to build whatever I want. If I want to be a cook, y'all seen how many cookbooks are in that bookstore? It's right there. It's Pornhub, it's Netflix, it's video games, it's all this shit that's just fucking in the way of working with your hands and producing something. Guaranteed, if you're a man and you're depressed, 100%, if you're not 
producing something. You're not making something. You're not using your hands. My dad used to tell me to go out and fucking pick up sticks and do all this shit around the yard. And I would ask why. And he says, because you're going to enjoy it. You're going to feel good after. He was right. There's nothing like a good callus. If you want to get ahead in life, just throw your fucking TV in the ocean. Just fucking get rid of it. And if you really want to level up, which I'm like getting pretty damn close to this point because I'm seeing how fast I got to move if I want to really kickstart this renaissance, maybe I got to throw my fucking phone in the river. Like maybe that's what's next. Maybe I hire somebody to take all my calls and handle all my Twitter and I just fucking sit here with my head in a fucking painting or whatever it is that I'm working on until it's done. Maybe that's the sacrifice I got to make at this point. But if you're just getting started, like, think about these things. How much time are you wasting that you could be putting towards where you want to get in life? A great quote was, you got two choices. You either suffer through the work or you suffer through the what if. (laughs) I'm going to choose to suffer through the work. And I'd highly recommend that everyone listening to this also does that. If you know someone who's good at doing something, and they could make an artistic contribution to Bitcoin, send them this podcast and tell them to listen to it and tell them they're going to cringe and tell them they're going to feel embarrassed for me talking. But maybe in the shower a couple weeks from now, it'll hit them and they'll hear what I'm saying. Or maybe some people will get it right away. Some people are raised by their parents to understand what I'm talking about and they're okay with that. And they can put it to use right now. And some people just would block out everything I'm talking about. I think that anyone in the Bitcoin space can relate to that. Well, I think you're right, because I was an artist, photographer type, and the Nick Zabos or the Beautyons, when I first read them on Twitter, I was like, who the fuck are these guys? But they percolate, they simmer in your brain, and if you're sufficiently open-minded, they're fucking right. (laughs) And a 180 on a lot of thoughts. And I think because we're focused on creating, I think, Everything you've said with creators is going to sit. Your passion is undeniable. And I think you're going to inspire people to get out of their complacency and start making. I hope so. You make me, I'm ready to download the digital files and (laughs) do something. You've got free digital imagery that you want people to make stuff. And you said you'd even sign it. I'm trying to get it all free. That's the point. Like I'm trying to get it all free. It's just fucking difficult infrastructure wise. So I got to, we're going to sort this out. I have like the most incredible assistant you could fucking imagine. And we're going to figure this out. We're going to try and get all the stuff that's coming through, have digital and free versions available and just get it out there. I think that why I'm so fucking good at what I'm doing is because of the experience I had in the music industry. And I'd like anyone who's an artist or whatever to kind of hear that the art business and the music business are the exact same. If you're an artist and you make a record that starts getting a lot of attention, the best thing that can possibly happen to you is that that record gets chopped and screwed by an artist that's much bigger than you. That that artist takes your hook samples it and whatever they release. I mean, that's how Kanye broke a bunch of artists, right? It's how a lot of artists break is from the sampling remixes. I mean, even like Run DMC, what really was one of the first steps forward in all of hip hop was their use of the Walk This Way Aerosmith song. I want people to copy Madex. I want you to use Madex. Should I make how-to videos? What the fuck do I have to do to get people working 
in the Bitcoin space, hustling in the Bitcoin space, but then also just fucking making stuff for their own sake and for their own love. You may have heard this when you were doing some research on me, which by the way, I really appreciate. It's awesome that you can speak to me with that kind of context. The first paintings I made was because I was broke as fuck and I got my first apartment and I was into baller shit and I wanted art on my walls that was ballin'. But of course I had no money, but you know, a canvas down at wherever doesn't cost very much and I got some time, so I'll just make some baller stuff. That was some of the first work. Even like right now with my script, like I developed my own script lines that are 100% mine in terms of like the way they kind of exist. I don't even really know how they exist. However, like behind me, which you can't see because you're listening, I've been doing a lot of retina art where I am blatantly copying retina brushstrokes. A lot of calligraphy artists, I'm blatantly copying their brushstrokes. I'm trying to learn how to do it so that I can take it and improve my existing Madex script. I can make my Madex script better. I'm trying to learn. I'm willing to use that and I want other people to use my stuff. I want it to be open source so that stuff gets made. That's what's fucking the most important. Capital-wise, I'm going to do the best I can to like ensure that something with the Madex signature is the Madex artwork. If some Chinese company takes one of my paintings and starts selling it for fucking whatever, a lot of times, like a fiat older guys, they'll talk to me about copywriting and they'll talk to me about brand protection and trademarking and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, aren't you worried about all that? And I'm like, well, I can tell you that Louis Vuitton spends millions and millions and millions of dollars a year and works with Interpol and who knows who. And I can buy a extremely high quality fake Louis Vuitton bag within a day. Give me a day. Tell me about it. I was in Chinatown the other day. It's a whole world of fakes. Yeah. All in their little underground layers. It's like the best thing that can possibly happen is you get copied. On the hard money standard, the authentic, the original is going to carry the value over all the fakes. No matter what, just in the same way, you can buy a $100 Louis Vuitton bag or you can buy a $5,000 Louis Vuitton bag. The person who bought it knows it's not fake. I'm not scared at all about somebody reproducing a million Madexes and selling them. I fucking hope that happens because it's going to pump, pump, pump the numbers of the work I make in the future. And also, more importantly, the work of every single person that's ever purchased something from me. If I sell a painting to somebody, they buy the original and then China makes fucking 50 million copies of that. That painting is going to go to Sotheby's and it's going to sell for $100 million. It's the artistic process. I think if you're honest, you're going to mimic at first. Someone's going to inspire you. Maybe you'll mimic their style and things and then find your own. And I think you really are inviting people to come into this space with a style that is quite original, but not inaccessible. And you're really making it more accessible for everyone to get their feet wet on expressing themselves in a Bitcoin world. Yeah. This is my vision for like six months to a year from now. Every original Madex that's come out has been released as a high definition digital file that you can go and get a print of that piece of work made. I want the value to be locked in the original. So when you go to the Madex site and there's nothing under $50,000, you can still download full 
prints of any of those $50,000 pieces. And then I go to Pacific Bitcoin or I go to BitBlock Boom or Baltic Honey Badger in Riga. And if you got that print with you, I will sign it. I will number it on the back with the block time that you run into me. I will make it a fucking Madex bought and sold print. If you're willing to invest in me in terms of spending whatever it costs to make that, I'll give you some ink on that to make it like a signed original. To me, I see it as fair trade. You've put in the work and effort to have this exist, which means you care enough. And how long does it take me to fucking sign something? This is logistically difficult from the internal side, from the studio side, but we're going to get it done. If you see me at a conference somewhere or you see me anywhere, just I'll sign them for you. And I just want to thank you for caring enough to even have that made because I think that's fucking awesome. And just you going out of your way to make it for yourself is worth way more than the $100 I would make on, say, selling a print shipping it to you and all the effort that comes into doing that, which I tried in the bear market, by the way, I tried. It's kind of funny. Prints are usually like the most worthless category of an artist's work, but because I'm never doing them again, because I just was not happy with dealing with any of it. Now the prints are on the site. Those are the last ones that will ever exist. I'm never doing prints again. It's originals and free downloadable files. That's the way Madex is going to roll. I think that's really, really cool. And it's testament to your generosity. And I really love, again, your gratitude made manifest with that plan. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like you're losing your voice. No, no, I'm good. I don't know. I, I can keep going. I could go another hour. I got water here. <laughs> Dude, I try and keep these things under an hour. <laughs> that's okay. I got a lot to say and probably most of it no one's ever heard before. So, Well, that's cool, man. Tell me, what's going on with that script that you've been working on? Are we calling them scriptures? Is that a pun with script? Well, no, no, it's script. How it started is I was making codexes and secret languages and alphabets. I was doing a lot of fonts, spending a lot of time, too much time for someone who's not making any money, writing stuff out in these codex languages, putting it into the artwork, and then you could translate the script. But then there was a painting and the guy wanted to buy it and uh, he wanted to know what the script said. So I gave him the codex and he didn't like what it said. So he didn't buy the painting. Hmm. So then after that, I was like, okay, this is just making it harder than it needs to be for myself. So it's just going all too random, I guess you could say. So I kind of randomized the alphabet. And then eventually over time, it narrowed down to something that I thought was brandable and I thought looked really good in the artwork. because. Fiat makes you have to explain everything. So kind of the way I explained it, which is completely bullshit, but also if you're into kind of charging crystals in the moonlight, you're welcome to believe this. But each line represents a moment in time or a feeling or sort of an experience. There was a movie called Arrival where they had this concept where the aliens communicated in sort of ink splotches. And ink splotches could communicate entire lifetimes. Or sort of like in the German language, how you have some words that mean entire sequences of events, and you can use one word to describe what would have otherwise been a long story. So that's kind of what I was saying about it. They're just, in my opinion, visually stunning. They feel spiritual. They feel like an alien energy to them. There's a ruin, like an ancient energy to them. 
it's an amazing brand on its own, but then also paired with a lot of the economic ideas in Bitcoin. I think it just lines up really well because you sort of have the feeling of ancient ruins tied with some of the very important information that I think we all need to become well aware of. So that's kind of the thing with the script. And the script will be like the anchor of the Madex brand. Also, like I don't like putting names on things. I don't want to put the word Madex on the product I make. I don't like it. The idea here is that I brand the script well enough that when people see it, they know it's Madex. When people see the script lines on a product, it means it's a Madex product. So whether that's steak knives or the cutting boards I've been producing, those are things I'm working on right now or coming. The biggest thing that I'm pulling together very slowly and a great effort is this jewelry launch because I like to wear jewelry. The women I'm around love jewelry, so I want to make stuff. None of it will say Madex. It's all just going to be script lines and, and a lot of Bitcoin symbolism. But that's really what the goal is with the script is just to like, okay, the script is in the paintings. Now it's in the product. That's the brand name. And then so that you can communicate it to another person, it's like Madex. It also makes everything that I release unique and kind of one-on-one. That's the ultimate goal is that what somebody has is unique to them. I just know what it feels like when you have something that's special to you. And I want to do the best I can as a creator to have whatever I'm making feel that way to the person who's acquired it. The script really, really makes that easy so that everything doesn't just say Madex. It's just like, it's lame to me. I get it. I mean, you can spot a Degas, you can spot a Van Gogh, you can spot a Madex. Yes, exactly. That's really nice. I think we've really got a lot to chew on here. You're going to leave aspiring artists chomping at the bit to get going, to get making. But you had mentioned something in a previous podcast that you haven't reached your full potential either. You were talking about mastery, but then there's that step beyond mastery where you do believe that the artist resides. Where are you taking yourself? You know, and just you. Like I know you've been very generous and you have these visions to make art available to everyone, but where are you going? Like I want Madex to operate like a fashion house. So I'm the director of the fashion house. So I'm like doing the approvals on everything and I'm pulling the art together. And I have a staff of myself and uh, my friend Wes, who is just incredible. It's basically us. We're doing it. And I bring some other people in here and there. And I just want to expand that and get more talent and more operators in and be producing more stuff. Potential wise, like I don't think I'll ever hit it because I'm just very driven and there's always way too much to do. I'm really looking forward to the moment where I'm like comfortable to die. I'll be like, okay, yeah, it's, it's actually not a big deal if I die. Like there's enough of this recorded and made and that exists that I know that like future people will be inspired by it. And it will at least, I don't care about Madex lasting forever. That would be great if it could be such a well-built company that it, that it lasts generations and generations. But what matters to me is that like, what I'm saying gets passed on and that the quality of work improves. I think the best way to summarize it is that like fast tracking the renaissance, that hard money that Bitcoin is going to bring. The more capital that I can acquire within Madex, the higher skilled tradesmen and staff I can hire. So the product output just continually improves. 
I guess a position that I would feel comfortable in is that my payroll is $16, $17 million a year. And that's not 5,000 staff. That it's not very many people are on that. And that we're really making some incredible, incredible stuff. I really want to get into the sculpture sort of world and the interactive art and live works. I've spent a lot of time going year over year at Burning Man. I've been five times now. I'll be there again this year. The interactive art on its own is just so powerful. And then if you just tie in the principles and foundations that we're all kind of familiar with into that, I think it can just be a really good vessel for opening doors. I'm not trying to push anyone through any doors. I just want them to open and you to be able to see what's in there and be like, oh, that's interesting. And then like, you know, you can go in or you can't, it's up to you. And then I'll make another door and that sort of stuff. My biggest fear is that I will, something will happen to me on total accident that either it stops me from being able to work on this or kills me before enough capital has come into Maydex and been put to use. A lot of people will measure their success with materialist objects or they have like $50 million in their bank accounts. Now they think they're successful or whatever. For me, I have a number in my mind of the amount of people I want to employ. And that's the primary goal. And hopefully when I hit that, that'll be close to potential without ranting for hours and hours and hours about all the shit I want to do. If I could just get 25% of that done, that would be amazing. I want the paintings to be absolutely breathtaking. I want to have stores internationally that display the art. I really want to focus on the jewelry stuff. That's really important for me personally. And the one-off totems and things like that, I think really communicates the designer brand I'm trying to achieve. I would love to have a store on Rodeo Drive or in Paris that you walk in and there's 10 paintings or however many on either side of the wall that align the store that are all just fucking incredible, that are 50 by 80 inches in size. And then in the center, you have the jewelry cases with the scripture. And then there's another specific product that I want to sell that I'm not sure I want to talk about yet in public. That's kind of where it's at. Everything I've achieved to date has been accomplished without any professional or legitimate film work. I've connected with this guy, Julian. He has a page called Kinetic Finance. He's a filmmaker from Vancouver. And we're going to try our best <laughs> to make the first Madex documentary that'll be about 20 minutes long. He's going to be here in September and October. We're going to film it. I've got footage going all the way back to 2012, documenting my life up to this point. We're going to see what we can use. I don't know, maybe not much of it. So I really want to go into film. I would love for the proceeds of Madex to create a lot of films. For example, you were speaking about a friend of yours there that has some rights to a certain movie. I would love to have a film portfolio rich enough and a brand history rich enough to become involved in a project like that. I think that that specific text is the most foundational and important text in probably my entire life. So that sort of portfolio in film would be excellent. The art is sort of for people who already get it or people who want to get it. 
the film is really a signal broadcast that catches people who don't know anything about it at all or never even thought to have these sorts of ideas. I just think the film is the best way to really ensure that the ideas we have in the space propagate and spread. I think past that, if I'm sitting there with a Madex portfolio of art, amazing high quality products, some designer stuff, my focus is going to be entirely in my children and other people's children welcoming in the next generation. I mean, like the ideal circumstance would be that I'm sort of a Rick Rubin type character for artists in 30 years from now, and that I can bring wisdom and capital into whatever somebody who's 30 when I'm at that age is working on. I still want to make sure that I'm providing that opportunity for whoever is willing to listen and willing to kind of step in. The most valuable thing on earth that could have happened to me when I was 19 is I could have met myself today. And the reason I say that is because when I was 19, I didn't want to hear anything from anybody unless they had a net worth over X or some level of success over a certain amount because everybody's got fucking advice. I didn't care about any of that advice unless you had proof of work you had execution, you had something that you had built and you could show me your hands and they would be rough. Mentors are just so important to that coming generation. And if those mentors can be hard money understanding mentors and that can be mentors that have built some of the infrastructure that has exponentially grown the amount of high quality product and systems and services in the world, I think that's the best influence that we could have on the younger generation. And I absolutely 100% want to be that for my own children so that they have every advantage when my kids meet other Bitcoiners from other prominent Bitcoin families whose parents have done exceptional and remarkable things, that they feel like they belong in those circles as well and that they're of the same stock. Yeah, beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. And I think it's it's very original in the sense that, you know, it's very difficult to predict the future, but we can evoke the Medici's and previous systems. But because of the technological advances and I and hopefully this hard money world that emerges on Bitcoin, what you're trying to do is going to feel wholly original and probably tinged with all kinds of things we can't imagine that are probably more exciting than what you're talking about. I hope so. I want to provide capital to the next generation of talent. Right now, I'm, I'm in the acquire that capital phase. And then long term, it would be just amazing for the Madex brand co-signing another creator, another artist, or getting involved in another project to kind of mean something for the future success of that project. And also even for whoever the individual is that's there. Like if I got a call from somebody that I admire massively in any kind of community that was like, hey, like we're interested in having you do this maybe or whatever you can think of. This is what we're thinking. That would just absolutely make my day. And I want to hopefully have Madex in a position that when I make those calls, that, that people are just really confirmed that they're on the right track with their effort. Yeah, man. Cool. Look, I'm, I want to wrap it up. I really do appreciate your time. You've been incredibly generous, eloquent, but also like really the passion just comes through. And, and as I said earlier, the layers of your thinking are kind of a wonder to behold. 
Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and it's refreshing, actually, because ideas, when shared, each one exists in the world and, and lives on in, in the listener, in me. Yeah. They will germinate and inspire. A lot of what you said is going to do just that. Well, thank you. I'm really grateful that you, because like I said, when I message you, like I don't talk about any of this stuff. And I hadn't listened to any of your stuff. I'm just busy doing things. So I'm just really grateful that you were prepared and that you knew about me already. And that really means a lot and allowed me to even kind of get into some of the stuff that we spoke about. So I'm very thankful for that and thankful for your show. And it's a pleasure to meet you. I hope we meet in person soon. And thank you. There you have it. Be sure to follow Madex and explore the links to the topics we addressed in the show notes. If you haven't shared, rated, or subscribed to the Bitcoin Muse, there's no time like the present. Thanks to my brother for the music, to you for listening, and to Madex for sharing his time, energy, and mission with the Bitcoin Muse. Onward.